Hey, welcome to another episode of The Whistle Stop. I'm Drew Ammon. Our guest is Scottsburg native, Scottsburg girls head basketball coach, Carrie Daniels. This former Clarksville Academy and Austin P women's head coach was a standout on the first Austin P women's team to reach the NCAA tournament in 1996. Daniels was honored as Austin P's top athlete in 1996, winning the Joy Award. Also at Austin P, Carrie won the Wilma Rudolph Award overcoming the odds to achieve great success on and off the court. Former Kentucky guard Josh Carrier joining us along with Stephen Jordan. Whistle Stop is sponsored by Jason Stonebreaker at Campbell Chevrolet on Scottsville Road in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Visit Jason to check out new and used vehicles, new Chevrolet Tahoes, Suburbans, Traverses, and the like. Call or text Jason at 270-996-8365 to schedule your test drive today. Also check out CampbellChevrolet.com. Greg Peterson leads our conversation with Daniels, who also was an assistant coach at UNLV and Western Kentucky. Appreciate that, Drew. Today we welcome to the show Scottsburg Warriorettes head girls basketball coach, Carrie Daniels. Carrie, glad to have you. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to jump right into your, your playing days as a guard for the Warriorettes. Uh, a lot of success as a player under longtime coach Donna Cheatham. Talk about those early early times a little bit for us and reminisce a little bit. Uh, some of the teammates you had and memories and the success, lots of sectionals and regionals uh, and, and success as a Warriorette. You know, my time um, wearing that purple and gold uniform is I mean, just such wonderful memories that I have, and I, I hold so close to my heart. Um, you know, a lot has changed. You know, back then, Indiana was, there wasn't any classes. It, they had no class basketball. So, um, you know, we were fortunate my sophomore year to win a state championship. And, you know, we were a school about 700, which, you know, isn't tremendously small, but isn't one of the larger. And, you know, we're going up, up against teams at 2,000, 3,000 plus. Um, so that truly, the movie Hoosiers, I know a lot of people reference that, but it truly was like that. You know, we would walk into Market Square Arena and, you know, for shoot around and just look up and, and the seats just seemed to go straight up. And, you know, and then coming out for the games, you know, we set records with, you know, attendance in Market Square Arena when it was still standing. Um, but just so many great things, and, and I was so fortunate, one, to be coached by Donna Cheatham, who, you know, a Hall of Fame coach, um, you know, one of the winningest coaches in the state. Um, so that was an unbelievable experience in itself. And then just to be surrounded by such amazing players. Um, you know, my freshman year, well, all four years of high school, we went 96-8. and eight. Um, and, and again, that was a tribute wow. to all the players and just the dedication that we had. You know, I had the opportunity to play with Kira Gullion, um, who went on to play at Louisiana Tech. And, you know, back then, Louisiana Tech was in the Final Four, you know, every year. Um, you know, played with Renee Westmoreland that went on to Western Kentucky, was on their national runners-up team. Um, so just so many great players that I was able to – just watch play alongside but we're we're still even though they were just a you know a few years older than me we're role models and and helped motivate me you know I would watch their work ethic and 
you know, that's who I wanted to be. So again, just a tremendous opportunity I had. And there's nothing negative that I take from my experience as a warriorette. Talk about kind of what led you to Austin P and maybe some other suitors that were in pursuit of you coming out of uh, Scottsburg. I know uh, you all had a great run during your senior season. Uh, Reflect on that a little bit. I also was a track athlete and um, was fortunate that I won a state championship in the long jump um, in in track. And and I was getting um, some attention for track. But, you know, basketball was my true passion. I I love track. I Honestly, I started doing it just to kind of fill the void when basketball season was over and to help keep me in shape. You know, back then, AAU travel ball was not anything like it was now. It was actually just getting started. Um, So it wasn't all that year-round stuff that you see. If you worked basketball year-round, it was because you put the time in it. And usually it was in your backyard. I had a gravel driveway. And it's so funny because I just went and ate dinner with all my sisters tonight, and we were reminiscing about those memories of sweeping our gravel driveway so, you know, all the rocks weren't there so we could dribble the ball and shoot. But – You know, I got some attention with track. With basketball, you know, I I was getting attention, getting letters, but I was surrounded by such amazing players that, you know, so many players were getting attention. I mean, I actually, I did a visit at Louisville, um, you know, had a number of schools. I had a, I I can remember having a shoebox. Back then, when you're in high school and you get letters from colleges, it's like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) So I kept a shoebox with all my letters in it and, you know, Austin P was not even a school that was on my radar. I honestly had never even heard of the school at the time. I know that sounds awful, but someone had sent, I want to say it was New Albany High School, you know, a school just right down the road from us, um, had sent a film to Austin P so they could check out one of their players. And in watching that film, um, the coach, you know, recognized myself, and then I had a 6'3 center that I played with that was a tremendous player and actually came and visited with us, brought us down on a visit, and recruited both of us. Part of what led me to Austin P as well, you know, I did have some bigger schools looking at me, and I always said, like, I, I wasn't one that – I didn't want to go. I was, I think, smart enough to realize that if I went to a bigger school, I was not going to step in and play right away, and I, I didn't want that. I wanted to play. I wanted to make an impact and make a difference. And at the time that Austin P recruited me, um, LaDonna McLean was the youngest Division One coach in the country. She had just taken over this program, was building it. You know, they really didn't have tradition. And that was appealing to me. With high school, we just talked about that. You know, I stepped into a situation where there was tradition. They were good. For four years, we were good. Um, but something about building um, a program and being a part of that was very appealing to me and that's kind of what led me there knowing that I could go in as a freshman and get some legitimate playing time you know if I put it out there on the floor and um, you know earned it and proved myself so that was one reason you know how I ended up there and choosing Austin Pete. Well that takes you into exactly what you just referenced and you, you played guard for the first team that played in the NCAA tournament at Austin P. and how special was that being a part of that first team uh, and then we'll talk later about, you know, being the first coach to go to not only play but then coach and coach in multiple tournaments. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But how was it being part and growing the program that early? Well, um, I can't lie. When I got to Austin P, one, I was homesick. 
Um, I had never really been, you know, away from home, even though I was only three and a half hours down the road. Of course, back then there wasn't cell phones. My mom and dad can tell you their phone bill every month. They were like, Carrie, you've got to stop calling so much because um, it was I was just burning up the phone lines. But I struggled. I struggled my first couple years, not necessarily with – it was more that I had never lost. You know, we lost eight games in four years. And it was tough for me to wrap my head around and figure out, dang, you know, because not only my first few years, we didn't just lose, we lost a lot. So it was like a complete 180 from what I had experienced my four years of high school. There was a part of me at one time, I mean, I really hate to to say this and admit it, but I'm not going to lie, there was a part of me at one point in my sophomore year that I thought, you know, is this really what I want? You know, do I want to maybe, you know, transfer and, you know, get to a more winning program? I mean, it, the thought crossed my mind. I actually even had a talk with my coach about it. And finally I thought, no, I'm going to stick it out. I made this commitment, and I'm going to stick it through and see it to the end. So much good came out of that. First, you know, from that point forward, um, you know, we continued to build the program. Ironically, I redshirted my third year, which ultimately I think really helped me. It helped me as a player. It helped me as a teammate. And then just continue to build it to where we won the OVC Conference Championship um, regular season and tournament my senior year, you know, earning that NCAA bid for the first time ever. And looking back on it, I wouldn't trade anything, um, you know, to be a part of something that was truly at the bottom and to build it up and going out my senior year on top was such a sense of accomplishment, um, you know, not just for me, but for our entire team and our coaches and just the work that we put in to, to make that program into what it was. So I never knew this till you just referenced it, but I was going to ask how you get bit by the coaching bug and what takes somebody from Scottsburg, Indiana <laughs> that played college hoops in Clarksville, Tennessee, all the way out west to be a grad assistant and later assistant coach in UNLV. But obviously that was because of Coach McClain. It is. and But let me tell you, what's ironic, and, and I mentioned like my third year, you know, I had a medical red shirt. I had a heart issue. If you all can remember back during that time, you know, that was big when you had these athletes, um, you know, Lynn Bias, Reggie Lewis, all these, or Hank Gathers, that were passing out on the court and passing away from it. They were dying from it. And that ultimately is what happened with me. I was out running, conditioning with the team, and passed out. And I can remember coming to on the road, and a passerby had stopped and gave my teammates ice to put over me. And after, I mean, it was such a long process to figure it out, testing and everything, which ended up obviously leading to my red shirt to get it all figured out. Um, undergoing, um, you know, surgery to make sure they wanted to take a look on the inside to make sure I didn't have the cardiomyopathy, which is what, you know, we later find out that's what was causing these athletes, um, you know, to collapse. So went through a battery of tests and, you know, even at one point, Austin P was not going to release me because they didn't want that liability on their hands and ended up having to write up um, a, a waiver releasing them if anything were to happen to me on the court that, you know, they were not liable. I just was not going to allow them to take basketball from me. And um, so I signed a, a waiver that if anything were to happen to me, you know, they were not liable for anything at all. And But it was during that year I was undergoing all of that, trying to figure out what was going on, and having the game taken away 
it truly, you know, puts things into perspective and really how much you love something. And being on the sideline, like I said, it caused me to, it it made me become a better player, but also a better teammate. It was at that moment during that year that I decided I really want to coach, you know, being on the sideline and helping motivate my teammates and seeing that side of it. It's so different when you're on the court, but being on the other side of it, it was that year that I decided. And, you know, heading out to UNLV, I originally was going to graduate, you know, Going back to saying I wouldn't change anything at all, also while I was at Austin Peay, met my husband who transferred in the year I was redshirting um, to play for the men's team. So if I had left and not stuck it through, never would have met him. But I had worked it out with the coach, and I was going to stay on after I graduated and be the grad assistant at Austin Peay. Obviously, she built that program and was so successful, and we got to the end of the season, and she was offered the job at UNLV. And she initially offered me the chance to come out there and be an assistant. I turned her down. And I said, no, I want to stay here. I want to get my master's. I want to, you know, be a grad assistant. And I had talked to the new coach, Susie Gardner, who was coming in after um, Coach McLean, which was Wilson at the time. She ended up getting married. Um, Or it was Coach Wilson and then McLean. Um, But I had worked it out with Susie Gardner to be the GA that following year. Well, Long story, Billy would probably kill me from, for telling this, but we were engaged to be married in June of actually August of that year we graduated. We graduated in May of 96. We were going to get married in August. And it was around June or so I had come back to kind of finalize some things with the wedding, and I could tell something wasn't quite right. So Billy got cold feet. <laughs> There's not a lot of people that know this. Oh, Billy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Billy got cold feet, called the wedding off, it was like the most terrible thing to ever happen to me. And Coach McLean had heard about it back in Las Vegas. She had already moved out there, got everything going, calls me up and says, hey, I still have this assistant position. Back then they had the restricted earnings position, which is the third assistant coach. And that's what the position was that she was offering. And I had turned it down at first because I wanted my master's. So she called, and she's like, hey, why don't you come out here? I'll fly you and your mom out. You can work at camp, and we'll just show you around, see what you think. And she was like, you can still get your master's. It may take you a little longer, um, but, you know, you can still work towards that. So I flew out there, um, looked around, decided on the flight home, I looked at my mom. I could remember it like it was yesterday and just said, Mom, I'm going to take the job. I knew it was going to be tough, straight out of college, flying across the country, you know, at that point by myself, and it was after that that Billy had called and I think realized, whoa, what's happening? And, you know, said he wanted to get back with me, and I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm going to Las Vegas. So if you want to be with me, you're going to have to figure out a way to come out there because <laughs> I made this decision for me, and, you know, I'm going with it. I wasn't going to go back. So he ended up moving out there, had no idea what he was going to do. <laughs> So it was, um, you know, that's how I ended up out in Las Vegas. It was kind of crazy, but definitely worth it. Can't wait to bust Billy's chops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be so mad. I share that. (laughs) So when you lived and coached in Las Vegas, you got to work some camps, uh, most notably Michael Jordan's flight school. How cool was that, uh, looking back on it, with him being the greatest to ever play the game? All right, so the documentary on Michael that they um, released back in the spring when everything was kind of shut down, 
just brought back so many memories of that time. And I posted some pictures on social media, just reminiscing. And, you know, it's not something I go around and talk about that, you know, I was able to work his camp. And it was so funny because I posted those pictures and then players on my team were like, coach, you met Michael Jordan. You know, it was just because I'd never told them that. And so that was pretty fun. But you know, that was such an amazing experience. I mean, I've been fortunate to have a lot of amazing experiences, but truly, uh, you know, anyone that knows anything about the flight school, he brings in the top collegiate men's coaches, NBA coaches, you know, just basketball personalities to come in. I can remember working at that first year in Al McGuire, you know, just hanging out, you know, being yeah. there in the gym and, you know, George Raveling and, I mean, just all the, you know, I have pictures and autographs with Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams. And it's just, I have a, you know, a basketball and a towel that they all signed for me. I have Michael Jordan jerseys. And it's so cool, though, to see Michael in that environment, you know, just kind of chill and laid back and, and just having fun. I mean, these guys were paying 15000 no, 35000 15000 It was a lot, a lot of money to come and basically hang out with Michael. They were on teams. They were coached by these college coaches, but Michael would interact with them a lot. And my favorite part was, one, I got to meet Michael's personal assistant. We sat and talked. Billy actually came with me one day. And I mean, it was very, very neat to talk to him and hear his stories on Michael and how he became his personal assistant and, and their relationship. And then just to sit with the coaches, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, at the you know, after I moved on to Western Kentucky, Mary Cows is the biggest Mike Krzyzewski and Duke fan. And I can remember telling her stories that, you know, Mary, as anybody that knows Mary knows, PD, you know, very Christian, you know, lady, does not curse nothing. And I'm right. like, you know, every other word out of his mouth is an F-bomb. <laughs> and it, it was just ironic because you had this picture of these coaches and then to see them for truly, you know, this is them. And, um, you know, that was, that was unique. Roy Williams sat and talked with me and my husband for, I mean, a good hour, just literally talking to us about life, about basketball. And I mean, that is so special. I mean, he did not have to sit down with a young aspiring college coach at the time and take up his time, but he did. And and that showed me a lot about the type of person he was and how genuine he is. And so just, yeah, a, a amazing experience that I'll never, ever forget. And, and I'll have, you know, to keep with me forever. Just a little side note. My uncle was a president of a Catholic school in St. Louis. And obviously my last name is Jordan and Roy Williams was at his school I guess, 14 months ago. Uh, and he, he was in the gym, and my uncle went up to him and said, Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uncle's name. And he said the look on Roy Williams' face was like, What? <laughs> He's like, Yeah, my name's Michael Jordan. I'm the president of CBC. <laughs> oh, and, how funny. <laughs> but my uncle said Roy Williams is one of the best people he's ever met. Oh, he is an unbelievable. I mean, who he is as a person is just so, I mean, he's a tremendous coach, but just a more amazing person. Carrie, anybody you remember that were campers? Yes. So Mark Cuban was a camper. Um, so that was kind of cool to see him out there. And of course, at the time he wasn't the owner of Dallas, but 
you know, that was cool to just see him out there. I mean, you knew his name and Damon Wayans. Um, y'all remember Damon Wayans? And yeah. so he was in the Canadian, camp. Yeah. yeah. So he was in the camp. Got have some pictures with him. And um, I can remember this one day, Billy was there when it happened. And, you know, you've got a lot of, um, you know, just entrepreneurs and different people that come. There are some people that are just modern day blue collar workers that, take their life savings to go to this camp but there was a gentleman that had um, a diamond stud earring that was probably as big as my hand and he had played a game and he got through and he's frantically like and they had sport courts out you know everywhere in that it was in valleys at the time and he's frantically looking and we all go over there and we're like what are you looking for and my diamond earring, I can't imagine how much it costs. I don't know that he ever found it, but somebody had to have come across that earring at some time. But, yeah, it was some pretty cool people there. Yeah, I always knew that your wedding picture was in Vegas. That's why when you were telling that story previously about Billy, I was like, well, something led to where they got married in Vegas. Yeah. And so, anyway, not to not to go back on that story and jab at yeah. Billy again, but <laughs> um, the wheels are turning in, in my head. Yeah, yeah. So, a little bit of background, too, is what led you back east to an assistant coaching spot under the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Small, yeah. uh, at a place with so much tradition. You talked about Louisiana Tech mm-hmm. earlier, but a place with just as much tradition in western right. Kentucky. So it's funny. When I was in high school, you know, I, and my dad was the first one to, to tell me, you know, you're always trying to find – like I said, AAU and travel ball was not big back then. So the big thing was basketball camps. And they've kind of phased out. You know, you still have your basketball camps at colleges, but it's nowhere like it was years ago. And so I remember my dad saying, you know, Western Kentucky would be a great camp to go to. It's just a few hours down the road and, you know, a great tradition. And so I got myself, actually, that's how they found Renee Westmoreland. We all went to camp. <laughs> and so we go to camp down there and um, had a great time. And um, I went to camp there many, many years in a row. And I knew taking the job out in Las Vegas, I'm so glad I did it right out of college. Great experience. But I also knew this isn't where I want to settle. This isn't where I want to stay long term, um, you know, as a way to get my foot in the door. And, again, I loved my experience there. I knew I wanted to get back closer to home so I'm out recruiting one time and I run into Steve Small and he had no idea who I was but of course I knew him just from all my years at camp and just again the notoriety of the program so I got the guts up and I approached him and I just said hey I know and of course he tells a little bit different than I do and Petey's probably heard the story about 20 times but classic So I just go up to him. I'm like, hey, I know you don't know who I am. My my name's Carrie Daniels. I played basketball with Renee Westmoreland. You know, you got to drop all that stuff that can kind of tie it in with him. And I'm like, I came to your camps for so many years. And that led to us talking. And I was just honest with him. I said, hey, if you ever have a position open, I would love to get back closer to home And so he told me, just, you know, stay in touch with me. It's very, very much a possibility that I could have something open up. So the way he tells the story, that I would wear him out every week, calling him, (laughs) bugging him, begging him for a job. (laughs) 
And it was true. I did stay in touch more like maybe once a month, once every few months. But just, again, stayed in touch that year, let him know, hey, I'm so interested, you know, don't forget about me. And that next, you know, late spring, early summer, he had something open up and brought me in on a visit. And that just led to me getting a position there. So it all worked out. So you ended up working under three head coaches, four if you count the interim head coach after a midseason dismissal. How much did you learn about overcoming adversity during that stretch of your career? that would eventually lead to multiple trips to the big dance with championship rings and some pretty big wins with some pretty good athletes. Yeah. Well, I look back and I I think I was very, okay. So it was some tough situations that, you know, that obviously led to the coaching changes, some of them, but I look back and I think I do feel like it truly helped me knowing that at some point I wanted to be a head coach, you know, I'm looking at how things are, are going and things the way things are run. And, and I'm like, Oh, I like this. I like this. Mm, Not so much, you know? So I was able to pull and kind of build and add to my own philosophy and, and what I felt and what I believe. But again, as you mentioned, like with coaching changes and, you know, worrying about being retained. I mean, there's always so much adversity, um, you never know when a new coach comes in how it's going to flow with the team, with the staff. I mean, it, it's always a transition trying to figure it out. And, you know, I, I truly believe that every transition, every part of that that I went through helped me. It helped me um, deal with things in my personal life that I encountered. It helped me help, especially when I became a head coach, my own players, you know, when they were faced with adversity and difficult situations and just living through those life experiences and learning and growing from it. Um, So I, you know, I was very, I think, fortunate that, you know, I had that experience. It wasn't that, and and I'm not saying that nothing's wrong with someone being under uh, one coach for so long. I think, you know, there's something to say about loyalty and, you know, consistency, but at the same time, I think it did help me moving on and becoming a head coach, having all of those experiences to build on and to pull from. We had Keaton Belcher on just a few episodes ago, and he played it at Belmont, and he was talking about doing everything the Rick Bird way, and then he went on to to Eastern Kentucky under a different coach, and he kind of has to reprogram his mind, but he talked about how much it diversified him you know, as a coach, you know, just seeing something maybe from a more defensive-minded coach to an offensive-minded coach or somebody that's really good with sets versus being a, you know, a zone coach or just just something philosophically, how you handle players, how you do recruiting. There's so much that goes into it. There is. And, you know, from all those experiences that I encountered and went through, I found myself later on in a head coaching position pulling from that and using those experiences in my real life day to day, you know, later on down the road. So not only you kind of alluded to it, not only were you faced with challenges on the court, but off the court as well, personally with you and Billy trying to have a family, how important was the support system that you had from your coworkers and family during that stretch of your life? And I kind of want to allude to, how much I learned from you and Mary and Paula and David, just everybody stressing the importance of a family atmosphere as well. Talk a little bit about your personal challenges that go went along with the professional challenges first, and then we'll, we'll dive into the family aspect. 
Well, I think that I was very fortunate at at that time in my life when, you know, Billy and I decided we wanted to start a family. And, you know, I definitely think that it helped in the the environment that, you know, I was in and the support, you know, we truly were all one big family. And I think not only like on the personal side of it, but that helped on the professional side, you know, when we're coaching, when we're the team, I think those players truly felt like they had a couple extra mothers, you know, when they're away from home and they're in college, you know, they were comfortable to come and talk to us and we were there. It wasn't just you're a basketball player, you, you know, perform and, and this is what you do. I mean, we truly cared for them and we wanted to see them grow as young ladies and um, become, you know, a model citizen when they walk through those doors to real life. And I think it was, every one of us, a part of the staff there was, you know, invested in doing just that for the team and the program. Um, You know, when Billy and I decided to start a family, I don't know how many people really sit back and think that there could be complications. It never crossed my mind, living my life, things going well. Okay, you know, let's start a family and thought it would just be smooth sailing. I mean, my mom, I come from a family of five girls My mom never had any issues. I had sisters that already had children that never had any issues. And I just felt like that would be the way it would go for me. So, you know, while there, um, you know, I went through uh, a lot of challenges, Billy and I did, um, you know, to get our son Dalton. He's actually a miracle. Um, I don't want to go into all the details because that could take a while. But with the struggles and Um, The situations I went through was told by um, a specialist that I probably wouldn't be able to have children just because of problems in previous pregnancies that I encountered had scarred my uterus and the embryo didn't really have any place to um, attach. But, and then along the way during that time is when they found out I had a blood clotting disorder, which was what caused the first few miscarriages and and all of that. So a lot of good came out of it in finding answers to things that we didn't know. And then when I got pregnant with Dalton, um, you know, I did have to give myself two shots a day of heparin in my stomach um, just because of the blood clotting disorder. But it was a miracle that, you know, we were able to have him. And, you know, you mentioned the support from the coworkers and, Everybody there, like I said, I don't know if I could have went through everything. I mean, this was about a year, year and a half long process. And the struggles that we went through before we were able to have a successful pregnancy. And all the while, you know, we're playing ball games. We're on the road recruiting. You know, it's 24-7. Anybody that's involved in college basketball and college sports in general knows, like, it's not just, Uh, you know, an eight to four, nine to five job, like it goes with you, you come home and yes, you can have your family and all that. But at any time, your phone could ring from a coach or you're calling recruits. It's just all the time. And then just dealing with all of that. And without the support of, you know, Mary Cows and, you know, Paula and just everybody there. I mean, Petey, you guys, everybody was such a huge support and was there for us. And, and, and all of the ups and downs through all of it. I don't know that I could have made it through it. Um, I was in probably the best situation 
to have to handle and go through what we went through. But so worth it. So worth it now that, you know, we came out on the other side and, and we have Dalton who I can remember just like it was yesterday, Mary walking into that hospital and I'm about to, you know, give birth to Dalton and, you know, there she is, you know, supporting me and giving me a pep talk. So, you know, just such great memories. To kind of build off that, I learned so much being around the program and being video coordinator and, and looking back on it now as a father of two boys, I'm like, wow. I had early exposure to anything and everything, diaper changing, <laughs> uh, babysitting, breastfeeding, walking in on women breastfeeding, whether um, <laughs> it's on the bus in the hotel and recruiting meetings, whatever it might be. And I laugh about it now, but it's just a part of life now. And yes. all those experiences were so fun. I got to teach Alton and Lance what, what hot chicks were. And, yes, uh, in, in Jeeps. <laughs> you're exactly right. So it, it it just it makes me feel old. Number one, mm-hmm. um, that that Dalton we'll talk about him in a little bit, but is graduate getting ready to graduate high school. So yeah. it, it's just yeah. uh, many many fond memories, and you know you and Paula being pregnant together, and and getting getting to play in the NCAA tournament, and just, just mm-hmm. so many so many good memories. Well, and you know you mentioned that, and you know I mentioned the situation we were in. You know, I can clearly remember, you know, Mary had just had Catherine and, you know, Paula and I are pregnant and we finally have him. We're pumping, you know, and we're flying in, getting to the hotel room, trying to pump real fast so we can get to practice. And I can remember getting on planes and I've got my little cooler with my frozen breast milk because I'm not throwing it out. I work too hard for it. So I'm going to keep it on ice and I'm going to get it home for Dalton. You know, but again, it was part of it. And it's so ironic that we're talking about it because just the other night, Tuesday night, Dalton and them had senior night. And he didn't know that one of the traditions here at Scottsburg is that you have to give a speech. So they give him the microphone, of course, and he said, I don't have anything prepared. I I didn't know I was going to do this. But he mentioned how in thanking us as his parents because we introduced him to basketball, and that's all he's known. It's all he's been around his entire life. You know, the players there at Western, you know, Cameron Whitaker and and all that would talk to Dalton in my belly when I was pregnant with him. And he had, we make these, um, decorate these tables for senior night. And and I had some picture boards and, you know, there's a picture of him probably year and a half, two years old and kissing Cameron in the locker room after a ball game. That's what he was around. That's what he knew. And um, with his little red Jordan jumpsuit on. (laughs) Yes. And his Nike. Oh yeah. Deck of the tee. But like you said, I mean, just so many great memories, you know, that we shared and that we had. How did the Austin P job come about? I know Petey used to joke with you about you would be the next coach there. You always remarked about how happy you were as a lady topper assistant. Kind of what gave you the itch to want to be the first, in the first chair as the head coach at your alma mater? I have to admit, like, I knew when I got into coaching, eventually I wanted to be a head coach. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was ready. I wanted to get a lot of experience under my belt. You know, I'd spent the three years at UNLV. I had spent seven years at Western. So at that point, I'm 10 years in as an assistant coach. And with that, we talked about the three different head coaches that I was under at Western. I was under two different head coaches in three years at UNLV. So in 10 years as an assistant, I was under five different head coaches. I really felt like I was ready 
But at the same time, it wasn't something I was looking for. I was completely happy and satisfied being at Western. I was in an amazing program with amazing people, with amazing players. You know, every year I was there, we were 20-plus wins, postseason, NCAA. I mean, it was just an amazing situation. And I get a phone call. Austin P. Job came open, and I didn't apply for it. Um, I'll go back to Billy a little bit. So, you know, when all that happened and he called off the wedding, I decided to go UNLV, and he comes out there not knowing what he's going to do and ends up for, I don't know, a few months working a job at a construction company. And then he finally, he meets a, a man, goes and interviews, and gets a job with a sports marketing company that is tied in, if, if you all know NASCAR very well, with Terry Labonte and Kellogg. Oh, yeah. So he gets on with his company, and it was a pretty cool job. He would go around to different sporting events, and he was marketing Kellogg's. And he would take Terry Labonte's show car and, you know, go to places and, you know, let people take pictures with it. And it was a really neat job, and he got to go to a lot of cool places. Then, you know, I'm chasing my dream. I'm chasing coaching, and I get the job at Western Kentucky. And, again, Billy has to move across the country, has no idea what he's going to do. So we get to Bowling Green. He's a route salesman for Pepsi for the first few years, knowing that's not what he wants to do, but it was a job that he had to take at the time. And so then the fire department starts, they get to where they're hiring, and someone just come across Billy, and randomly they're like, you'd make a good firefighter. You need to apply. So he did. He gets on the fire department, and I mean, it is his calling. You know, it's a situation to where I'm in my dream job. He's in his dream job. You know, what more could you ask for? You know, we've got Dalton, who at the time had just turned three. And, you know, we had positioned ourselves and we had moved a few times. But every time moving, keep it in mind, you know, okay, where does Dalton feed into? You know, what schools, what the neighborhood? So, we were in a great situation. So the Austin P. job had come open, and I didn't apply for it. I get a phone call, you know, after that from Susie Gardner, who was one of the, you know, the former coaches that came in after my coach, asking me, said that she was helping the AD, um, who was Dave Luce that coached Billy um, with basketball, but she was helping him with the search, and my name had come up and wanted to know my thoughts. And I told her, I said, look, I want to be a head coach, and it's very intriguing, but I can't do it to my family. You know, Billy had followed me around the country, and all the while me knowing what I was going to do and him having no clue. And at this point, he had gotten his dream job at the fire station. We had our son. Family is the most important thing. And I just said I can't do that to him. So... It was a couple of nights after that, Billy came home and he was like, Carrie, I think you need to apply. And I said, really? And he was like, yeah. He's like, you need to apply. You need to go for it and just see what happens. You know, if you don't get it, there's no harm done. If you get it, we'll figure it out. It was within two week time that I applied, went and interviewed, was offered the job. And just like that, moving to Clarksville, Tennessee and leaving, it was so bittersweet because I was so excited about it. And granted, I was nervous. You know, anytime, it, you know, there's change and it's something different, it's a little nervous. But 
it was sad to be leaving such a great situation. It wasn't that I was looking to get out of it. I mean, Western, I still feel like Western is home to me and it is, is so special to my heart. So anyway, Billy during that time commuted, you know, the whole time and just sacrificed, you know, for our family so I could do what I wanted to do. Um, so that's ironically how it came about. And I guess it was meant to be with everything that we went through to get there. I think it was four trips back and forth from Bowling Green to Clarksville with moving trucks and vans and <laughs> everything else, loading out this and loading out that. And it, uh, that was it was a lot. <laughs> I'm glad it, glad it wasn't too long of a trip. But yes. um, in your nine seasons in Clarksville at Austin P, uh, over 100 wins, reaching two NCAA tournaments. After nine seasons, they chose not to renew your contract. And I think Coach Luce was gone at that time. Yes. For our listeners out there, how did that present a challenge for you personally as you faced adversity again career-wise? You know, I don't think that anybody could sit here and say that when they're approached and they're told that, you know, they're not going to get their contract renewed, that it doesn't hit them like, wow, you know, what is happening? I will say, though, that I don't regret one single thing. I know that looking back on those nine years, and, and it's funny because when Coach Luce was the AD, we had many conversations about it. I scheduled a tremendously difficult schedule, non-conference. One, to get guarantee money to help our budget. But two, I wanted to give our girls experience going up against NCAA caliber teams to help prepare us for conference. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully, you know, we win and we get to play them in the NCAA tournament. And and we did. You know, two years we were able to do that. and, And it was amazing. But I also know how college athletics is. I know how competitive it is. And ultimately, you got to win. And with the schedules I put together, I kind of set up my own demise, really. But I didn't ever think about it. I didn't ever have the thought in my head that, wow, you know, if I don't win this many games, I'm going to get fired or they're not going to renew my contract. Or I didn't do it. My thoughts were always what's best for our team. And you know, looking back on it, should I have scheduled differently? Maybe. But I do feel like I was able to coach some amazing young ladies that I hope, looking back on their experience at Austin P, feel like they're a better person. And, you know, when they left, they were more prepared for what they were going to experience because to me it wasn't just about basketball. And a lot of that was due to my experience at Western Kentucky and the models that I was under there and and what they taught me so you know I knew at that time as hard as it was to stomach you know because that was my alma mater that was where I played that was where I met my husband it was tough but I knew every night looking in the mirror that I didn't have anything to be sorry about and that I had done it the right way you know I'm proud to say that how did the relationships that you forged during your time as the coach some of the lady does lead you to your next role at Clarksville Academy? Well, you know, that is kind of a crazy story. So we moved to Clarksville, you know, Dalton's in preschool. And, you know, once he got up to go to kindergarten, you know, there was an elementary school right down the road from where we were living. And I had never been a part of private education 
Billy and I both are, you know, from public schools and public education. And that was never anything that crossed my mind that, you know, our child would be in a private school. But there was a few situations with bullying on the bus that our son rode. And and then we had some neighbors that had kids that went to Clarksville Academy and they just reached out and they're like, hey, you need to go visit. Just see what you think. So we take Dalton. It was after his second grade year, between his second and third grade year to go visit. And he loved it. And we were like, you know what, let's try it. So we put Dalton into Clarksville Academy as a third grader. And that's, you know, where he was. Well, when all of this happened, obviously every year you're at a private school, every year that tuition goes up, (laughs) you know, inflation, whatever, that tuition bill is more expensive. And it's funny because even years before um, my contract wasn't renewed, Billy and I, we'd get that tuition bill. and, And I can remember one night Billy saying, maybe we need to put Dalton back in public school because he didn't want to pay that tuition bill. And Dalton heard him and Dalton started crying. And he was like, please don't, don't, I I, want to stay. I mean, he absolutely loved it and it was his family. But when all of this happened, we had just paid our enrollment fee for the next year. And all this happened and there were so many unknowns, like, you know, Billy still had a few years left before he was going to retire from the fire station. You know, it was just so like, what am I going to do? What? So my first thought is, okay, well, the likelihood of us being here in Clarksville is probably pretty slim. So we've got to make sure we can get that money back and not be stuck with that with Dalton. So Billy and I go over to the school to meet with the head of school and you know, we just explained to her the situation and, you know, kindly ask if they would refund the money and, you know, us not knowing what our future plans were. And I mean, with no hesitation, she was like, would you want to come here and coach? And which we had a relationship, like I knew her and, you know, she had some former coaches of mine that had coached over there. And so we had a relationship and we had a player that had played at Clarksville Academy that was a walk-on for us at Austin P and actually two that caught me off guard. I was like, what? Like I had just been told my contract wasn't being renewed and now I'm being offered a job. And I really hadn't even had time to process the whole Austin P thing. And told her how thankful I was, but could I please have some time to think about it? And so, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, with family and just me and Billy talking through it and trying to figure it out and decided that at that point it was best. You know, I had some people reach out about some other college jobs, you know, and at that point, even though I'd been a head coach, it wasn't that I had to remain a head coach. I was fine. It was just, I loved the game of basketball. You know, if I were to find the perfect job as an assistant, that was fine. But I was thinking of my family, and Billy and I both decided it's better if Dalton stays put and he's happy and Billy only has a few years left at the fire station. And so at at that time, we made the decision for our family, it was best for me to take this job. Now, they had no tradition. They they didn't know about winning, so it it was a big risk I was taking taking on this job at Clarksville Academy, but it was just something that we decided, you know, that it was best for our family. And that's how it came to be that I took that position. So Carrie, I don't think I've met Dalton, but maybe one time when he was very, very young Mm -hmm. for what you've done for that kid to make him move his senior year of high school. (laughs) I just have to say that kid is one good kid for a kid to move 
to Scottsburg, Indiana for his senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I follow you on social media and I see that and I just think, oh man, if my parents made me move my senior year of high school, how disappointed it would be, but I'm speechless. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny that you bring that up because again, we just had senior night on Tuesday and one of my sisters was at the house yesterday and uh, Dalton had just gotten home for basketball. And she brought it up. He went downstairs to his room, and she was like, Carrie, he's such a good kid. And she said, I just feel so bad for him. And she teared up, and she was like, just seeing him out there with senior night, knowing what he went through and the transition, and then obviously all of that on top of being in the middle of a pandemic, she said, I'm so proud of him. And, you know, Dalton is very laid back. He's very you know, kind of go with the flow type of of person. I knew it would be difficult, but I thought, eh, you know, he'll he'll be okay. It was tough on him. It was so tough, tougher than I really even know because he's the type of kid that he's not going to tell us. He wants to make the best of every situation, and he would never come out and say, like, I'm so upset or mad that you moved me my senior year. You know, he mentioned that in his senior speech, how going into it after his junior year, all of this came about with me, and he had to move states and leave all of his friends. He has a girlfriend back there, and, you know, he admitted it was tough, but he decided to make the most of it, and, you know, he feels like he's had a great year, and I know he's my kid, and everyone's a little partial, but I've always said this, and I truly believe it, that the struggles and the challenges that we went through and him being a a miracle child, God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave Dalton to us because he has been nothing but a blessing from day one. And like I said, I know he's my child, but he truly is a remarkable young man and person. You know, I'm proud of him for the person he is and how resilient he is and it, it is tough going back. I know I'm kind of rambling right now, but it was very tough on him. And I think he's handled it as well as anybody could have. I'm just glad he smiles in pictures versus <laughs> Billy. He's got a little bit of Billy in him with not smiling, he does. but at least he yeah, he'll smile every now and again. Stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Scottsburg head girls basketball coach, Carrie Daniels. The Whistle Stop is sponsored by Jason Stonebreaker at Campbell Chevrolet on Scottsville Road in Bowling Green, Kentucky. All right, Coach. So I have been a, an AAU coach. I've been uh, an assistant under one of your good friends and Cameron Whitaker up at NKU. And so I've uh, kind of been on both sides of the coin in terms of recruiting. And now you are doing the same. You've been at the college level and you've been a highly successful high school coach. So talk about that experience being on both sides of that recruiting pitch and how you're able to help your student athletes. So I do think that, you know, when I took over at Clarksville Academy, I knew it was going to be a transition. I think anybody that for 19 years, all you've known is division one basketball. And then you take, you know, a position at a high school. I mean, the game doesn't change, but Obviously, it's a different level, and it is going to be a transition. But going into Clarksville Academy, a place that, gosh, I think that the past two or three years prior to me getting there had won four games maybe. I mean, it wasn't very many. They didn't understand, you know, 
so I get the job and I can remember my first practice having my practice plan and after the first drill I rip it up and we got to go back to footwork and layups because they didn't have it but I do feel like that it was a positive having the experience that I had as we built the program at Clarksville Academy, the players developed and, you know, had the talent to play at the next level, being able to prepare them and them to know that, you know, when I'm getting on them and I'm pushing them and I'm being hard on them, it's to prepare you. I see the talent and the potential you have, and I know what you're going to get at the next level. And if I don't do this to you now, you are not going to be ready and prepared for it. You know, I was fortunate that I had kids that welcomed it and understood and respected that. But I do think it was a plus. And then just still having connections to coaches that I could reach out to and say, hey, you know, come check out these kids. I mean, we had a lot of coaches come through those doors to evaluate our kids. And and I think a lot of that has to do with the time I did spend in college. Um, Had I not had that time in college or had those, you know, relationships, I still could have called those coaches, but unless they knew for sure, why would they take their time out to just come watch some random kid? So I I do think that was a positive. And then just in the recruiting process, so many times that, you know, even Sydney Boykin, I know that she was looking at me and she wanted me to tell her what to do. You know, I just had to lead her and guide her. And, you know, I was blessed that her family was so open and wanted me to be um, a vital part of that recruiting process. And, you know, just helped her to know, like, questions that you need to ask. And, you know, because having been on the flip side of it, what a college coach is wanting and what they're looking for and what's important. So I do think it was definitely at an advantage for those kids that were going to be on that other side of it in just a few years. Carrie, you taught me so much from a recruiting standpoint because when we would have kids in on official visits, you taught me how to put together outlines, contacting professors, scheduling meals, uh, scheduling hotels. I mean, Stephen and Josh will tell you that before they travel to this day, they call me and say, hey, what's a good hotel in this city or what's a good <laughs> – I mean, it, it's crazy. Where's a good place to eat in Little Rock or where's a good – in any any city. It's so, so it's so funny because you taught me a lot of that from a recruiting planning standpoint. Here's how we structure a visit. Here's what we do with them during practice. Here's who's going to sit with them during the games. All that logistical stuff is just so important, and I think I even apply it to – Uh, my everyday life now with Mm. being organized and those kinds of things. So thank you for that. That definitely goes a long way. And that kind of takes me to my next question about how your coaching tree still is still ongoing and Mm. where some of your former players and assistants are and how proud you are of them. It's awesome to see players and fellow coaches that you have that when you're no longer together to look to see where they're at and the accomplishments that they've made and what they're doing. You know, I I look at Mary Cowles and I mean, gosh, I learned so much from that lady and she has got a dynasty down at Innsworth and and what what she has. And Cameron Whitaker, Cameron was the very first assistant I hired when I got the job at Austin P and, you know, only had her for a couple of years, but I knew when I hired her, her goal was to be a head coach. And, her avenue to do that was she wanted to get experience from other places. And, you know, I think that 
it's tough when you're a head coach and you know you've got a good assistant and you, you want to be selfish and you want to keep them and hang on to them. But for their own growth and for them to prosper and, you know, be the coach they can be, they need to go get that other experience sometimes. So just so proud to see where Cameron has gone and, you know, the success that she's having, you know, is just awesome. And then you look at Kyra Elsie. And Kyra's first assistant job was with us at Western Kentucky. You know, she came from Virginia Tech where she was the director of basketball and, you know, came in and, I mean, just took off immediately. You know, I think it was a natural thing for her, you know, to be in coaching and now leading one of the top programs in the country and, you know, as a mother with a family. And, you know, it's just, it's so neat to see, um, you know, Katie Wolf up, you know, at Notre Dame, an assistant Mm -hmm. associate AD and, you know, has been the director of basketball and just great experience that she's gotten. And, um, you know, it's, it's so neat to follow these, you know, these individuals and to see their paths and where it's led them. We can't have you on without asking you about your current team. And I know you were, you were COVID stricken. And, you know, every time I wanted to check your schedule out, it was canceled due to COVID, canceled due to COVID, canceled due to COVID. How tough, was your season dealing with that? And what's the outlook for the Warriorettes moving forward? I know you, you, you had a young team. We did. Um, you know, I think that this year has been tough for everybody, um, just with dealing day-to-day, not knowing. You're not knowing, you know, are we going to play? Or are we going to be in school? Are we going to have fans? You know, when we started season, I actually had our team go virtual. I hated that because, you know, and Dalton's virtual right now. Um, I hate that because I think they need to be in school, in person. They need to have that social socialization. But at the same time, I wanted to do everything that I could to ensure we had a season. And, you know, with all the contract tracing, you know, it could be that a student is sitting in the same classroom as someone that tests positive. And just because they're sitting there, they're out for two weeks. And you miss two weeks in basketball season, you're looking at three, four, five games. So, you know, I just encur- – I didn't make them. I just encouraged them. You know, you know, I think this would be good to go virtual. But it was tough. And I think it was also tough that coming in we didn't have a full summer. You know, you're looking at a, a whole new transition of staff and, and team, and they needed that time with us. We needed that time with them. And we weren't able, you know, in the month of June is, you know, when you do all of your team camps and – scrimmages before they head off to travel ball in July. And we didn't have any of that. We weren't able to start doing anything until July. And then, you know, some of them were off doing some of those travel ball things. So it was extremely tough. Um, It was a tough year. I think that there is a lot of growing to do with our program. We were very young. We had three seniors, but we had 11, I think 11 or 12 freshmen and sophomores. We started a freshman and a sophomore, um, both start actually two freshmen and a sophomore started for us. So we, um, we've got a, a great eighth grade group coming up. This eighth grade group from sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they've went 48 and 0. That's positive, knowing that they're coming up. I'm anxious to get started working with them. So I do think the future is bright. It's going to be a culture change. I think that They've gotten to the point, and and PD, you know this, you can um, have a team that is confident and they go out every time. I know us, when I was back wearing that same uniform that they're wearing, we would step on the floor 
and we were confident, and it wasn't a cocky confident or that we were overlooking teams. It was a confident that we're going to win and we're going to beat you because we put in the preparation and we are ready for you. Whereas I think now where the program is, they step on the floor and it's like they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And so we've got to change some mindsets and it doesn't happen overnight. So it's it's going to be a process, but I do think that it's going to be worth it and we're going to see those benefits here coming in the next few years. Well, Karen, I just want you to brag a little bit on Billy, where he has career, what's the future look like as as Dalton uh, graduates. I'm, I'm anxious to hear if he's gonna if he's gonna be a hooper or if he's gonna be on the gridiron. <laughs> so, well, first I'll mention Billy. So Billy, as I mentioned earlier, I mean he's been a trooper, following me all around. When all this came about, honestly, I knew that my head coach that I had in high school that was coaching here at Scottsburg, I knew that she was going to be retiring soon. I honestly thought it was going to be a year from now because she had one more year on her contract. So I was thinking, perfect timing. She'll retire. Dalton will graduate. Billy will retire. And we won't have any ties. We can do whatever we want. So I honestly thought in a perfect world, that's how it was going to go. Well, unfortunately, um, my, my former coach had some health issues that forced her into retirement early. So that's how it came about. And when it did, again, you know, just like from Western Austin P, Billy and I sat down, we talked because, again, he's with the fire station. He's got to finish out because he was so close to retirement. And he's the one, as, as the trooper he is, and said, you know, we'll make it work. I'll commute. It's, it's okay. And I, I don't know how he's done it. I mean, he's got a two-hour drive when he goes to shift. But I'm happy to say that he is going to retire the end of March. He told me tonight he's got nine more work days before he can retire because the end of March we're on vacation for spring break. So, yes, so he will be fully retired from the Bowling Green Fire Department the end of March, and then he'll get a job back here. But he's doing great. Um, Dalton, as we mentioned earlier, my heart breaks for Dalton. When we put him in Clarksville Academy, you know, Billy and I are both products of Division One basketball, being able to get a scholarship, and we're just very fortunate. We never and have we ever thought Dalton will get a scholarship. He'll go play basketball in college. We were hopeful that if he works that maybe he could earn something, but at the same time, we were realistic to know how competitive it's gotten and that we've got to set him up for academic success, which was another one of the big reasons when we sent him to Clarksville Academy. They are emphasizing the academics and preparing for college and preparing for your career. And they have so many kids that, I mean, millions and millions of dollars that, that their graduates get um, when they graduate to go on to college. So we felt like it was the best move to set him up. And we've been blessed that Dalton's an unbelievable student. Like he takes pride in his academics. And um, so that's been great. But my heart breaks because when when we did have to move before his senior year, Clarksville Academy just has so many neat traditions for seniors. And I cried. Like, I broke down multiple times thinking of all of those experiences that he was going to miss out on. And, again, just all of his friends that he was leaving and 
how tough it was coming here and having to meet new friends and meet new teammates and all in your senior year in the middle of COVID. So my heart broke for him. I'm so proud of him for rising above and continuing, you know, to get straight A's. And he plays football, plays in the basketball right now. He'll run track. And Scottsburg has a boys' volleyball team, and he's going to play volleyball this spring, something he's never done. But he's excited about it. They actually approached him and and asked him. Um, But I will say that Dalton – he had his schools narrowed down to two choices, and you'll like this, Beatty. Western Kentucky. He had already been accepted to Western and Austin P and a couple places, but he had narrowed it down and decided Western Kentucky or Hanover College. You know, for those that may not know, Hanover College is a small private school. It's literally 17 miles from our house, but it's a very prestigious school. It's very high academic, um, would probably – you know, rival a small Ivy League school. I mean, some people would probably get mad at me saying that, but it's a very good school. Um, You've got some very notable alums, you know, that have graduated from Hanover. So we went and visited there a couple weeks ago, and he had a visit with a football coach there. He loved it, fell in love with it, and decided that he wants, he's going to go to Hanover College, and he is actually going to be a receiver for the football team. So he's pretty pumped about it. He's in the middle of basketball season. And, you know, obviously I'm a basketball person. Billy's a basketball person. But there is something that I noticed in Dalton when he started playing football. And not just the sports part of it. It it truly helped him as an individual, as a competitor, as an athlete, all around. I see the passion that he has for it. And I even asked him one night, I'm like, Dalton, you know, if you had a school approach you and say, okay, you've got a scholarship in basketball, scholarship in football, what, what would you do? And without a question, he said football. I mean, he has just found his calling and, and what he loves, and he still loves basketball. I truly think his best football is ahead of him. I think that um, he played in middle school and, and tore his MCL both his seventh and eighth grade year that hindered him going into basketball. So his freshman year, he told us he didn't want to play football because he wanted to go into basketball healthy. And so he didn't play his freshman year, didn't play his sophomore year. And out of the blue, his junior year, he decides he wants to play. And that's when he, he found the passion and, I mean, has just fallen in love with it again. So he's only played two years of high school and, you know, has become, a, you know, a, a pretty solid player. So I do think he's got some good football ahead of him. And, you know, Billy and I just couldn't be any more proud and just so excited that it's right down the road. Our family's going to be able to see him play and, you know, he's going to be so close. He's not been around family. You know, we've been down in Tennessee and Kentucky since he's been born. He's missed so much with his cousins. And it was so unique Tuesday night with senior night because I had all of his cousins, and they were lined up on the couch, a whole group of them, and they did the, the intro for the starting lineup for Dalton for Tuesday, and they played it on the big screen in the gym. And so they introduced him and, and said, our cousin, and, you know, hollered out his name, and, and then they all came to the game as well. And it was just so special, um, you know, to be able to have family there and, and support him and watch him um, in this last year. Carrie, I know Drew, who isn't on tonight, but uh, Drew is a Hanover grad, so I know he'll he will wish Dalton all the best as a future awesome. Panther, and 
and uh, Mr. Mike and Miss Beth, I know they'll be going down the road to Hanover as as, as much as as much as they can yes. uh, to to watch him play. So, yeah. but Carrie, we we certainly appreciate you coming on today and and joining us on the podcast, and looking forward to to having lots of new listeners in the Scottsburg area and at Hanover. We will continue to follow your teams, and I just appreciate your friendship and and the fact that you've stayed in touch with me all these years and those kind of things shows, shows a lot about the kind of person and kind of people that, that you and Billy are. So thank you, Carrie. Well, I want to thank you. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to meet some pretty amazing special people, um, you know, through my life and you're definitely one of those. And, you know, I've loved our friendship and the relationship we've built and, and watching you and your success and your, your beautiful family and, you know, it's it's been a pleasure and an honor um, to come on here and talk with you guys. Crazy how it's come full circle. It's unbelievable. It really is. <laughs> well, Carrie, thanks again. We've got some quick hitters for you. Truly, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I'm the foodie of the group, so I always ask the food question. <clears throat> Steak and shake or in and out? In and out. Oh, come on, Steve. I could have answered that one for you. <laughs> well, she, she she lived in Vegas for a little while, so that's I had to. That's right. Oh, that's the first place. When we went to Vegas for the go NIT. West. When we yep. went to Vegas for the NIT, that's the first place. First place the team bus stopped. Yep. <laughs> Zagsby or Canes? Zagsby. But I have Star- to say that because I've never had Canes, so. <laughs> Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Starbucks. Red beans and rice or shrimp etouffee? Mm, red beans and rice. Gary, thanks again. We'll talk Thank to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you. You've been listening to The Whistle Stop, sponsored by Jason Stonebreaker at Campbell Chevrolet on Scottsville Road in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Call or text Jason at 270-996-8365 to schedule your test drive today. And check out the hashtags, buy from Stoney. Stony Cells and BG Cars for the latest new and used car information. Also log on to CampbellChevrolet.com. Find the Whistle Stop wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Whistle Stop Pod.